Welcome back to the Dewhawk Dozen podcast. My name is Neil Bingham. And I'm Rachel Mosier. And this is our monthly podcast dedicated to our graduates of the last decade. 12 months and 12 great Dewhawks, countless stories to tell. Today's guest is 2011 grad Kevin O'Brien. Let's do this. Last month, we had a chance to talk with Jessica Douglas, and we were really excited to have Kevin as our fifth guest on the podcast. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks so much. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for scheduling this time um, to meet with us. We are really excited to have you on today. Neil and I both got the chance to know you well this year alone with your reunion um, planning for homecoming. But here are just some of the things your nominator had to say about why you'd make a great member of the Duhuk Dozen. And it's long, let me tell you. <laughs> um, Kevin has spent nearly the entirety of his life giving back. From interning with the U.S. Department of Commerce in Spain to spending more than three years giving back to the community of Mozambique with the Peace Corps, he continues to work with different communities and populations. Kevin embodies all of the Loris dispositions. In tandem with his love of fellow human beings, his love of Loris shines through as well. He was a member of his class reunion committee and was able to make it back to homecoming this past fall. Kevin has traveled the world, given so much of his time and talent back to the community, and has never left behind his love of Loris. So it does not come to us as a surprise that your nominator said all of these great things, but you've truly left a legacy here at Loris, especially with Dewhawks that have followed in your footsteps or even got to share their time here at Loris with you. Um, just like Neil and myself. Um, congratulations on being named our May 2022 Duhok Dozen recipient. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Happy to be with you all. No, I'm, I'm sure probably being the humble person that you are might have come as a surprise. Um, but were you really expecting like the, anything at all when Rachel and I reached out or just kind of unsure of what it was? How did you feel when you got that email? I was very, uh, very honored. And, you know, it was... Uh, um, it's one of those things that uh, being invited back in any situation to your alma mater is always exciting, whether it's homecoming or something else. And so when uh, when you all reached out, I was um, you know all too happy to say yes. I'd love to participate, and um, thanks for the invite. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, being here, joining our, the podcast today, and. Something else that is a small connection here, I know that you and I have in common, but I think it's something that a lot of young alumni share when they start the professional workforce is one of our first jobs is working in admission here at Loris. Can you fill us in a little bit about what the special projects manager looked like when you were in the admission office? Sure, yeah, no, I love that job. And uh, I was honored to work at Loris. Uh, it was kind of a dream come true going back to Loris to work as a staff member uh, and help contribute, give back, develop uh, all that I had been receiving through my time as a student at Loris. So the special projects manager role was one that worked closely with the president's office, the admission office, um, kind of as a liaison to the alumni office and development. And then also um, a lot of interconnecting and supporting other efforts across the campus. Um, you know, supporting the marketing efforts for the admission office, connecting with the different departments, 
across the academic side of things and really trying to connect the student experience to the recruiting, the alumni efforts to recruiting. So it was a perfect blend of really almost all the things that I loved uh, and Loris being central among them, which was great. Um, so it was really a blessing to be back in Loris and be working um, in, in Dubuque and um, a lot of the, uh, among a lot of the people that I had already gotten to know and also getting to connect as a staff member with uh, my fellow staff, but um, people who had been advisors to me, who had been, you know, professional guides to me uh, and getting to work alongside them was really special. So it's safe to say that you were probably busy with all the different communities you were working with. <laughs> yeah, it was very busy. Uh, you know, it was very busy, but, um, you know, it was also sort of one of those labors of love that people talk about. So um, it was a lot of work, but it didn't necessarily always seem like it because we were having a good time doing it um, and and really, you know, seeing how we could better incorporate um, everyone's experience into into Loris and help that shine through for the future. Have you been able to take any of that kind of experience into your new line of work? And um, it seems like health and community are two big pillars in a lot of your work. Um, where does that drive come from? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, so much that I learned at Loris was part of that interdisciplinary nature um, of the liberal arts curriculum. And, uh, you know, I had never taken a social work class at Loris, and then I went on to get my master's in global social work. Um, and so uh, having a lot of those connections through service work, through uh, campus ministry, and just the examples, examples all around me, um, and the encouragement of things like uh, connecting to a local nonprofit or seeing how service could be incorporated and giving back of sorts could be incorporated into a study abroad. Um, all of those things kind of interwove throughout my experience at Loris and I've definitely been able to carry that on uh, throughout different experiences in my experiences in my professional life. Um, and I've, uh, I've been moving a lot, you know, I've been moving here and there and everywhere. And so it really has offered a good opportunity to uh, throughout whatever community I am to connect on all of those ideas of health and community. And uh, it's been very special and um, certainly an adventure um, ever since uh, as part of and then after I graduated from Loris too. <laughs> Did you see yourself doing this much traveling after your time at Loris? Did you really picture yourself going to Spain, Honduras, Jerusalem, <laughs> Mozambique? Like, that's amazing. And you've had to adjust to a lot of new homes. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I really didn't uh, see myself traveling to so many places, even when I was at Loris. Um, I got to study abroad um, for two full semesters, one in Spain and one in Argentina, and then also um, participated in the January terms and, you know, summer research program. So those took me to Ireland, Portugal, and Italy. Uh, so really uh, amazing experiences at Loris um, and then service trips as well. And those just really, uh, I don't know, whet my appetite for even more. And uh, certainly I continue to um, want to seek those opportunities out through my work and, uh, and personal life. And yeah, I, I can't say that I ever anticipated living in so many different countries. Uh, traveling, yes, it's always been an interest. Um, and I had always wanted to do um, overseas work at some point, but I never thought that I would be living in so many different corners of the world. Um, and it's kind of amazing how things have taken shape over the last 
however many years. It's uh, it's kind of crazy that it's that I started at Loris in 2007, and you know now it's 2022. So um, it's been a few years. <laughs> <laughs> just a few. <laughs> yeah, just a few. What was one of the hardest things that you had to adjust to in all of your travels? Yeah, I you know I think uh, it's funny because at the beginning of uh, our staging when we first met as a Peace Corps group in Philadelphia before heading off to Mozambique. Uh, I, I got up and responded that, you know, of the, of all the things that I was nervous about with Peace Corps, um, I wasn't really so worried about the experience itself for living overseas. It was going to be an adjustment, of course, but kind of take that in stride. And, you know, you look to others for examples around you and, uh, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges, but that's kind of all part of it. Um, throughout a lot of the different things, uh, I've kind of wondered, well, I think I'm going to miss out on things at home. I'm going to miss out on my community, my family, my friends. Uh, and so that's been probably the hardest thing. Um, but also I've loved uh, getting to sort of jump right into another culture community um, from around the world. And, uh, you know, language and culture are often different um, and varied uh, in one spot to another. And so I think going in with uh, as much humility as possible and trying to just uh, experience, um, talk to people, try new things, and be open. Uh, those are some of the things that I, I've valued most, uh, and trying to also balance that, you know, desire to live and contribute in different parts of the world, and often be on the move <laughs> in doing so, uh, but also still being connected to my friends and family at home, and trying to savor those Zooms or visits or holidays, you know, whenever they come. And I'm curious too, and I mean, shout out to Abby Behrens. She, uh, in the Center for Experiential Learning here, uh, had a guest speaker from the Peace Corps come in and talk to students when Rachel and I were, were students here. And I remember him saying how difficult it was to actually come back home and that adjustment as well. How did you see yourself adjusting there on the flip side, both the Peace Corps and just some of your other travels? What was that like? Yeah, uh, it, it is an adjustment to come back home and, uh, you know, because you're sort of prepped a lot as you go. Um, you know, I, I remember even in study abroad at Loris, there were preparation sessions for when you were heading off. Um, but then you also have to sort of remind yourself and, and Loris, I think, does a good job of this, uh, trying to remind students uh, and faculty and staff and alumni to think about those pieces before you're coming back because it is going to be an adjustment and you might think, oh, I'm just going to plop back into my old life and everything will be just the same, but you're kind of different as a person. Um, you have a different perspective on things. And so going back immediately into the same conversations or same grocery store or same uh, movie theater, anything like that, uh, it might just kind of hit you at different moments. Uh, and I think uh, progressing in some awareness of all of that and uh, just taking a moment to share with other other people who have had similar experiences that's been really helpful along the way uh, and then also just realizing that there's going to be moments there's going to be changes um, even coming back into the US or from an, from a different experience and I remember people telling me you know before I did my first international experience oh you're not going to come back the same you're going to be different and the same thing you know was said to me before I went to Peace Corps in Mozambique and I think one of the responses I gave back then that I still give now is that's okay. Uh, you know, I'll be hopefully better for it. And uh, I think that's for the most part proven true. Um, 
And, you know, certainly uh, the Kevin of 2007 is still the same person, but uh, a lot of different perspectives and hopefully understandings, hopefully I've grown through all of these different experiences and work. Yeah. Kudos to you for taking that jump. I know, um, thinking back to my time as a student and going to a lot of the study abroad um, sessions, I thought I could never leave campus. We're only on campus for four years, <laughs> some five, but I don't want to waste any time. But you yeah. t- looked at it in a whole different way, which a lot of the people listening could probably um, <laughs> resonate with that you do learn a lot and you do come back different, which is awesome. And I think that's helps make the Loris community even stronger. So mm-hmm. kudos to you. Thanks. I think uh, along with those kudos, I mean, the Peace Corps is a huge commitment mm-hmm. and um, it's a incredibly invaluable service um, that people put through. But I know you had once mentioned that you had always thought about going into the Peace Corps since middle school, but you still worked stateside three years after you graduated. When did that aha moment hit that it was the right time to just full commit, go to Mozambique and take that opportunity? You know, it's interesting because I actually uh, applied to Peace Corps uh, when I was uh, just out of college and I was interning in Spain. I was working at the U.S. uh, US Embassy and uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, overseas in Spain. And I was, uh, you know, thinking I would go to Peace Corps. I was made application, sending it in. And then I got a job offer to work at Loris. And so I came back and uh, had it not been for that, I probably would have gone into the Peace Corps sooner, Uh, but I think it worked out just the way it was supposed to. And uh, it was still very much on my mind to do the Peace Corps. Uh, And again, yeah, I had been there since I was in middle school and um, similar to what you said earlier about somebody speaking uh, about Peace Corps, I had that opportunity early on in my life because my uncle actually did the Peace Corps. And so I had those, uh, those thoughts, those ideas very early and they just never left. So I had to, I had to honor that. I had to really follow through. Otherwise uh, I'd probably still be yearning to do that. And I'm curious because um, back in 2015, you actually wrote a blog post titled, Hi, I'm Kevin, Iowa native, Loris College grad, and now Peace Corps volunteer headed to Mozambique. All in caps. All caps. <laughs> um, excitement. And I, I do have to admit your, uh, your blog was Iowa KOB for Kevin O'Brien, which I didn't, I, I was like, what's Iowa Cobb? And now I get <laughs> Kevin O'Brien. Um, so on that Iowa Cobb uh, blog, you wrote that back in 2015. Looking back, how did that feel at that time? You know, you're getting ready to depart from Dubuque, Iowa to go over to Mozambique. What were you feeling? Because that's a that's a pretty big leap. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and well, jo- well done, Duhawks, for doing your homework, uh, <laughs> delving back into my old blog. <laughs> Critical thinking. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I was thinking of what are some of my different communities that I've been a part of, you know, what are some of my sort of formed identities and uh, certainly those that I mentioned, again, you mentioned in all caps, <laughs> those, are, those are some of my groups, uh, those are some of my people. Um, and so heading off into the Peace Corps in Mozambique, um, I was excited. Yeah, I was, I was very excited. It was going to be an adjustment, but um, I was going to try to stay rooted in the things that I had learned and grown up with and carry those on with me. Um, and uh, in Mozambique, I tried to celebrate Duhok Day from afar. And, uh, you know, I was trying to piece together those very far apart um, ends of the world. 
and turns out it's not so hard to do because uh, I didn't see it with my own two eyes, but one of my fellow Peace Corps volunteers in Mozambique uh, saw somebody at a market uh, in Mozambique, um, a Mozambican, uh, with a Loris College homecoming t-shirt on. So uh, somehow, some way that t-shirt ended up from someone uh, regifted or donated or whatever uh, in a market in Mozambique. Um, and they knew that I went to Loris College. So they sent, sent me that photo. Uh, and it was, you know, it was just kind of the meeting of all different parts of life. And so that was, you know, one of those gifts that you see when you're kind of in your day to day uh, in a seemingly very different part of life and all of a sudden you're reconnected so you never yeah. know when you're going to run into some purple and gold you, you never do you never do <laughs> you can add it to the list of anecdotes i know a few people have mentioned you know airports or train stations or someone i think uh, had mentioned they were on the cliffs of moore in ireland so now market in mozambique <laughs> that's right so with all of your experiences um professionally what has been one of your biggest takeaways that you'd like to share with our do hawk dozen podcast listeners thanks uh biggest takeaways i would say always go for the adventure <laughs> always go for the adventure and uh be open you know be open to the possibility because uh you you might find yourself uh going just a bit farther than you ever thought you could you might find yourself uh, in a new realm of work that you never thought you would. Uh, and hopefully it's because you really enjoy it. Hopefully it's because you find that that is even more you, that that's even more something that you didn't know before, but uh, once it was introduced, it was just something that you couldn't leave behind. And that doesn't mean that you can't return to, you know, uh, a more stable plan at some point, you know, maybe that's what I'll do at some point. <laughs> but uh, for now, I'd say I've tried to always find the adventure. I've tried to follow uh, my heart with different things and uh, lead on as the opportunities have to uh, very uh, unique uh, places and lines of work and awesome communities, uh, just like Loris. <laughs> so always lead uh, and try to find the adventure, be open to it. I love that. that. I think we can relate to that. Yeah, I think huge <laughs> commendation there because not everyone thinks that way. And a lot of people think, mm -hmm. you know, I got to do that nine to five. I got to stay in this, you know, in this setting for X period of time. And um, mm -hmm. it's awesome to have that balance. I mean, without people on both ends of those, there are both sides of that coin there really would be hard to function. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my uh, my brothers, uh, especially my youngest brother, who's also a Duhok, he uh, he told me uh, when I was leaving uh, one opportunity for another um, several years back. So there have been different opportunities and experiences work-wise since then. But he said, you know, man, I'm I'm a little worried about you. You're uh, you're kind of jumping around. It's probably better to have a bit more stability and you know concrete plans in life. And so certain people would probably agree with him. Uh, so far it's worked out okay, um, but uh, he has been uh, certainly more stable in terms of location, work, and uh, just certitude of knowing this is where I need to be right now. Um, I've, again, tried to follow the adventure and, uh, and see where it leads me, and uh, it's been good, uh, <laughs> but it's funny hearing that advice from your youngest brother, um, <laughs> who is a very wise person, by the way, but you know. <laughs> Perfect. So Kevin, uh, we didn't prep you on these, but we do have 
a dozen questions for our Dewhawk dozen, where we ask our oh, guests awesome. 12 rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, all you have to do is give us the first answer that comes to mind. There's no right answers. There's no wrong answers. All right. You ready? Ready. Ready to play. <laughs> perfect. I know. It's like a game show. Um, <laughs> perfect. So where was your last vacation? My last vacation was to Minnesota. No, it was to the Pacific North Northwest right before I started this job working with Afghan refugees. There you go. What was your first ever job? My first ever job was a newspaper carrier. Is your bed made right now? Definitely not. <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Mm, I would say Bruce Springsteen as an artist. <laughs> what movie or show do you quote the most? Mm, ah, I, I love The Office, so maybe The Office. <laughs> and what was the last TV series that you binge watched? This is us. Morning person or night owl? Try to do both. <laughs> what is your lazy go-to dinner? Mm, pizza. Who is one of your heroes? My parents. What has been your favorite age so far? Mm, next year. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> mm, can you have one without the other? I'd say purple. And what is your favorite spot on the Loris College campus? I like Fifth Cane because it was always so elusive. It was always closed. <laughs> but now it's reopened. So. Fair enough. <laughs> right? Is it reopened fifth, now? Fifth floor. Did you fifth say floor? That? No, that is not yet. But fourth floor is just about to open for the new genealogy oh, okay. and um, master's of athletic training facilities. Oh, that's awesome. Well, as high as you can get in all the different perspectives that's that's my favorite spot on the loris campus <laughs> um you can see for miles up there if anyone yeah, on this podcast has, has been up there <laughs> it's one of the best views in dubuque is it the highest point in dubuque that's what i've heard yeah but um what makes it your favorite spot my favorite spot uh i would say it's because you can see everything from there. So it's kind of, you know, that all inclusive, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you get the the Lion King moment of everything the light touches. Uh, so <laughs> it, I'd say you get to appreciate all the different spots and you can see them all and be like, oh, that memory happened there. That memory happened there. Um, you know, it's not, it's again, uh, it's not a spot that I have been that much because oftentimes it's been uh, sort of out of reach or closed for students um, or maybe uh, under construction. But I do remember going there with my parents when I was little um, on a, an alumni tour for my dad and uh, seeing out those windows. So it kind of brings me back a bit full circle for some of that. Speaking of seeing everything on campus, Kevin. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but you were one of the stars of the official virtual tour of Loris <laughs> College from 2012 all the way until 2020. We could do, uh, Rachel and I were watching and messaging back and forth. We, we could do a, an entire podcast on that video alone. Uh, <laughs> but for eight years, we were left with the amazing acronym of DCU, Dubuque Center of the Universe. Now that you've traveled the world, you've gone to a bunch of different places, you've had a bunch of different homes, do you still see Dubuque as the center of your universe? It's always, it's always kind of a home base. So yeah, it's kind of a, a center place for me to go and always feel connected. I'd say that acronym holds pretty true. 
and, not and I can't believe you found that video. <laughs> I wonder that it was used for so many years, but uh, all credit due to my my co-star in it. <laughs> Justine Kaboshek, now Rabbit. Um, she was a great yeah. co-host, and I am not even lying. I watched that before coming to Loris. I like in a sophomore year in high school, which would have been 2010 for us. But um, before coming, I found that and I was like, that's a cool campus. And all thanks to you guys, you really painted the picture well for us. And we did do a little bit of office wars when I was on the admission staff and uh, shout out to Danny Dodds. I had uh, put a bunch of old marketing material all over her office and I had your tour on loop on her computer for when she came in that day. So... <laughs> The legacy Excellent. lives on. <laughs> I'm always happy to be part of a prank, even even unknowingly. So, <laughs> so another acronym you threw around was the BMOC, Big Man on Campus. But from this interview, it seems like you were hardly on campus for, with all your travels. Um, but although it was self-proclaimed in that video that we just referenced, um, I would go ahead and safely assume that the countless other people listening to this podcast that big man on campus was fitting. How early on at Loris did you start getting so involved? Uh, very early on. Um, I knew I wanted to be at a college that uh, would allow me to be, to be very involved, um, that would be uh, a place where I could get into, you know, um, the arts, into student government, into maybe some intramurals or different things. Uh, so I knew from before I attended that when I was there, I wanted to be involved. So pretty much from day one, I tried to be, uh, and I had a lot of good examples of people around me and also other people who tried to temper it and say, Kevin, you don't have to do everything, at least not all at once. Um, so that was good. And I tried to keep that in mind. <laughs> it was helpful advice. You really are a good representation of what it means to a, to be a Duhok. Um, you were an admission rep, you were on our young alumni board, uh, you were on your class reunion committee this year, 10 years later. Um, and I mean, you embody every one of the dispositions every, every day and you basically bleed purple and gold. So <laughs> do you always know that Loris was the school for you or when did the college search click? So before you got involved in campus and before you actually came to Loris, when did it click? Yeah, you know, I had a lot of examples in front of me, family members, uh, my dad, so many uncles, uh, cousins, uh, even my grandpa um, all went to Loris. And I had many other relatives who went to Clark, including my mom and my grandma. And so uh, Dubuque was always a place that I would visit, that I enjoyed going to the 4th Street Elevator, getting some pizza at Marco's, uh, going to Loris, seeing football games, homecoming. So it always seemed very uh, like a very good fit for me. Um, but I also am from Davenport, Iowa. And so I was thinking, you know, I need to go, I want to go far away. I want to have all these different experiences. I knew I wanted to study abroad and maybe live in a big city. Uh, I just, in the end decided, you know, Loris is where I want to be. I can do all those things during my time or after. And so it really was the perfect school uh, but it did take several visits in order to convince me to do that. And I even uh, left Davenport, uh, left the city, you know, went on a little road trip by myself when I was in high school, didn't tell my parents, went up to Loris just for one last visit to see if that's where I wanted to go, because I had applied to a bunch of different schools. And uh, in the end, I knew that Loris was the place for me. 
Um, and my parents forgave me for doing the road trip because they were like, oh, he's going to Loris. They were very excited, but I, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was sort of a long journey to end up at a place that I always felt very comfortable and invited to. I think some legacy students feel the pressure to come and sometimes they find out it's not for them, but then you have those legacy students like yourself that really do find their niche here and, um, they really do pave the way for themselves. So it's cool to see how you did that compared to like how your family has done it in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting too, because my, uh, my parents tried to give me options and just see, you know, Loris is one of your options. It's a great option. It seems to have all the things that you want, but so, you know, so do maybe these other schools. And so see what you think. Uh, and uh, there, there might've been a little nudging from my dad, you know, <laughs> proud Duhawk. Um, but really it, it was the right fit for me, but I was happy to make that decision um, on my own. Um, and, you know, with, with different things like the Breitbach program that I got to be part of, um, it was kind of like, how do I say no to a place that I can study abroad, I can do internships, I can do, um, you know, a lot of the service work and clubs that I was really passionate about. And it had um, the liberal arts um, opportunities for majors that I hadn't yet fully decided on what I wanted to major in. And so it offered that opportunity as well. That's great. I mean, I feel like we mentioned you took full advantage of all those, which is awesome. Um, and I'm curious, not only are you a legacy student, but being a third generation Duhawk, I think is, is not always too common. So how does that connection with your family and being the third generation Duhawk both enhance your Loris experience and your connection with some of those relatives that also attended Loris? Like, you know, outside of just your, your dad and your grandpa, like you mentioned, you have other, you know, uncle, uncle brother, et cetera, that also went to Loris. Yeah, my, my grandpa, I never actually got to meet. Um, he was from Dubuque originally, and then uh, settled and raised uh, his family in Bethesda, Maryland. And so having the opportunity to sort of uh, retrace some of his footsteps, so to speak, um, as a student at Loris uh, in Dubuque, that was really special to me. Um, you know, he passed away uh, years before I was born. And uh, so feeling a bit of that connection, um, just retracing some of those steps and doing it in my own way, uh, but kind of that connection to my own family history was uh, important to me in a way that I didn't necessarily understand, nor was fully a deciding factor um, for me in selecting Loris, but it was one of those things that just kind of helped me appreciate where I was at different moments. Um, and sometimes it would kind of hit me like, wow, this is where uh, my uncle Jimmy went, um, or my uncle Dan and, um, you know, my, my cousins, uh, Amy and, uh, and Tim and, you know, like, uh, just so many different, uh, relatives. So it's pretty cool for me, um, to see that and, um, to get to grow from that along the way. And then we have that shared connection and family history as well. It's awesome to see you and your dad back at Loris this last August for our legacy, um, legacy ball. Um, it's cool to see that you can share those experiences and, um, feels like, you know, everyone, when you enter the room, <laughs> you have everyone covered with the, um, different, um, years that you were here at Loris. But, um, <laughs> so besides the legacy ball, you come back for homecoming and you were part of the reunion committee. What's your favorite aspect of homecoming, um, when you get to come back? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's sort of just that like reunion feel, you know, people coming from all different directions, you know, some who live in Dubuque, 
and uh, some whose houses I stay at. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> and then also um, just like reliving some memories, creating new ones. Uh, I think it's really that reunion feel, though, because uh, so much is, um, you know, we appreciate those people who were so formative in our lives, um, whether our friends and fellow students or uh, other alums who, you know, I get to reconnect with, um, but really the the faculty and staff as well, you know, it's great running into them at the, the tailgates and, um, you know, the games and things like that are just around Dubuque, but uh, I'm giving you an answer that encompasses everything about homecoming, but it's the reunion feel, like it's everyone coming together. I like that. So what was the um, best part of your 10-year reunion? Um since we're talking about reunions. Yeah, that one in particular uh, was just all the people from my own class. You know, um, it was seeing people who either brought their kids or brought their partner. Uh, and some people I was meeting for the first time, you know, uh, as they were sort of welcomed in as the, the plus one or two or three. Um, <laughs> um, but reconnecting like that is really special and to have sort of a highlight on our class um who i you know love the class of 2011 you know my own my own graduating class and so it's a really special group of people that we don't get to see on a larger scale so often uh and covid made it a little tough we didn't have as many as we would have i think but uh certainly people that we were in touch with through the planning um, they, you know, they maybe sent along best wishes or whatnot. They were home with their kids or far away or pregnant or something like that. But um, it was a great time to reconnect, even for those who weren't able to make it back. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. I think there's so many changes that happens in the first year alone. We, I know we celebrate our zero year reunion, um, but then just the changes from five years. Neil and I are celebrating our five years this year and it's going to be amazing like to see everyone yeah. back on campus on October 7th, 8th and 9th. But I think the um, transition in life from five to 10 is even bigger because of everything you just said. Mm -hmm. uh, families are growing. We're traveling a little bit more. We're getting more um, settled down. So um, it's, inter it's, it's interesting to see where everyone ends up or where they are in their life because mm -hmm. we might not be in the place <laughs> like you here traveling from coast to coast, um, <laughs> con continent to continent. But um, I love homecoming is one of my favorite parts of my job as the alumni assistant alumni director. So it's cool that you um, benefit from homecoming. It is. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And yeah, thanks for you guys are, um, you know, doing doing your own adventures, but also helping to be our anchors um, back at uh, Loris HQ, <laughs> Loris College, um, and uh, helping to make it all possible for those of us um, not in Dubuque. Um, so it's always good to to have good people on the ground. So I'm, I'm really thankful for, for you too, and um, Trent, you as well. It's really special. And having been a Loris staff member as well, I know a lot of the, um, I know a lot of the passion and planning that go into putting on events for alums and bringing people together. So um, thanks for doing it so that we can continue to come back and really enjoy. So it's May now, and we're just getting started with our reunion committees for this homecoming. If we're celebrating the twos and sevens, so for example, 2012 and 2017. And if you want to be a part of your reunion committee, send an email to alumni at loris.edu.
I'm curious, you know, you did a great job. And as one who never sits back idly by, even though you don't work at Loris anymore, you still worked pretty hard on planning your reunion classes or your classes reunion. What advice do you have for people that might be joining their reunion committee as we start to reach out to those people? And I know that your class did a really good job of getting people back. You know, you did t-shirts, you did a great job fundraising. What advice do you have? You know, I think uh, I think putting it together in a way that's going to respect the fact that uh, the class is uh, a big group of people. There's lots of different things that people would be interested in. There's lots of different uh, sort of stages of life that everyone's experiencing. So trying to uh, invite everybody sort of on an individual basis, you know, see how to see how you can reach out to somebody who you haven't picked up the phone with in a long time or on Facebook or other social media. Um, seeing how you can do that personal touch to your classmates. Um, I know people talked about that in our class, um, that whether it was me or someone else in the class, uh, reaching out and providing that direct invite, uh, you know, maybe they had changed addresses, maybe they had changed some form of communication. And so hearing the direct invite um, can really make a difference and also just mean a lot. Um, and I know I appreciate that whenever somebody's planning something uh, so in, in whatever way it can be done so that everybody's, uh, invited and hopefully has really good notice, but also, uh, maybe a span of time in the evening where, uh, or day, you know, whatever's decided where people can really, um, have options to still partake in something that's going to work for them and their family. Um, and maybe even virtual, I don't know, <laughs> Some, something to allow people to, to partake from far away if they can't make it. I think you did a phenomenal job reaching out. You really took advantage of that and you made a lot of connections. And I think it just goes to show that you put your heart and like a personal touch on everything you do from your travels to um, calling people to come back for homecoming. So um, it's cool to see how you do that in your life and for homecoming. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, jumping back to your Peace Corps blog, we do have one more question for you. You wrote a piece almost seven years ago to the date, May 15th. Uh, you wrote a motto to take to heart. Um, as a fellow alum, it was a really powerful read, I'm going to be honest. Uh, you're under a mosquito net in Mozambique. You're celebrating Dewhawk Day, and you're reflecting on all of your experiences. Now, looking back, what does the motto, Pro Deo et Patria, for God and country, still mean to you today? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was I was uh, exactly there, like I said, I guess, seven years ago, um, thinking of a place that was so influential to me and uh, Loris's motto, um, Prodeo et Patria. And I always like, uh, and I know Jim Collins uh, added at one point his own uh, addition to it, et gentibus, um, which is uh, for and world, for God and country and world. And I found that to be especially meaningful um, while I was serving in the Peace Corps uh, and, you know, a way to sort of serve my country, but by doing so in another part of the world. Um, so for that, um, those two aspects, and then the third as well, for God, country, and world, uh, connecting so much of what I hold as important to me, you know, connection to communities uh, and with my faith uh, certainly, hopefully intertwined into everything. Um, it brings me back to Loris and it brings me back to, uh, all the, all the creations, all the moments, uh, that happen in the classroom, outside the classroom. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot that, uh, happens, 
in those little moments too. Uh, and I'm thinking back to um, even even my freshman year, right in this very moment, I'm thinking back to my my first year at Loris and faces are kind of like flying by in my mind of, you know, different people who were impactful, even if we only were overlapping for a short time. I mean, there's seniors when I was a first year who I'm thinking of helped to run uh, Spanish conversation tables or worked at the library with me or, you know, were always good about being very welcoming to us new first years um, and showing us the ropes when we were lost on campus. So yeah, taking it back um, with all of that, you know, it's kind of a, a true walk down memory lane and you just did it for me right now with this uh, seven years ago blog post. So here I go spanning off into all these different memories. There you go. <laughs> Thanks again, Kevin, um, for being on the show with us today, for sharing that with us, um, all these great pieces of insight. Um, as Rachel and I have both kind of said throughout this entire thing, you've done so much and you've done so much, all of it throughout connecting to the Loris community still, um, whether it be in Mozambique, whether it be in the work you're doing currently all across the board, Loris has been at the forefront of that. And it's just a great, great thing to see. Um, so with that being said, is there any last piece of advice you have for our listeners back home? Um, predominantly we're thinking young alumni or even some of our current students here getting ready to graduate. Yes, I would say uh, reach out to those uh, reach out to those professors who you've already had and you really appreciated. Reach out to those friends who are especially impactful, um, who maybe you haven't uh, talked to in a little while. And then also, if you're still a current student uh, and you always wanted to have a certain professor or talk to a certain staff member, but really haven't gotten the chance for whatever reason. Uh, just go by their office and knock on their door and say, hey, I know this is a little weird. Um, I've never had you for a class, but somebody said that you were great. And I just wanted to take a moment and say hi. Um, and if you have a moment, maybe we can talk through some things that I think you have a lot of knowledge about and I'm interested in. Um, maybe set up an appointment too, but swing by their office hours uh, and just try to, try to make the most of your time. Um, whether you're an alum or whether you're a current student, I think it doesn't hurt to reach out. Um, I'm sort of the, the guy who uh, just keeps engaging with people. And even if somebody's like, uh, even if somebody's like, well, I don't want to ask for directions. I'll just be like, well, let's just ask, you know, why not? Um, so it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to just say, do you have a second uh, and see where it goes? Um, because I think a lot of that personal human touch is what uh, helped make my Loris experience so meaningful and still does today because I get to reconnect with all these great alums at homecoming and, uh, you know, wherever I run into them. Kevin, uh, thank you again so much for being on the podcast today. It's been great catching up with you again, you know, got to catch up with you at the 2011 reunion. It's great to catch up again now. And to our listeners at home, don't forget to mark your calendars for June 12th, when we'll be introducing our next member of the Dewhawk Dozen. Thank you to the Young Alumni Board for sponsoring this podcast and for Trent Hanselman for producing. Go, Go Dewhawks! Dewhawks.